Hello and welcome to the Sportingly Average podcast, episode 12, Rivalries. I don't think we decided what we're actually going to call this one. Um, but as ever, I'm your host, Phil, and joined in person. In person. By Reese Cadman. Well, I say I'm joined by Reese Cadman. You're joined by me. I'm joined by you. I'm sat in your living room. You're sat in my living room. <laughs> but you're immediately taken over. You've asserted your, your dominance over my own living space. Yeah. I, I'll admit, I didn't think I'd spend my Wednesday evening stood naked in your bathroom with tingly testicles. But, you know, I've uh, always got a dream. To, uh, just to point out to all, all, all seven listeners, I, I wasn't there at the same time. I was in my, in my life. And the tingling was virtue of your tea tree. Well, I am, as mint you know, fresh. sponsored by Tea Tree and Mint Shower <laughs> Gel, available from your local Tesco's for the low, low price of £1. Uh, strongly recommend. But, uh, how are you, anyway, other than having me in your living room? Oh, delightful. Yeah. Coming for a great sporting weekend. Saints getting a 1 0 win. Uh, and Kings and Lanes beating top of the league 4 1. A rare win, yeah. With two goals each from their best players, Kieran and Bushel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Juppy sadly not here in person, but uh, how are you doing? Unfortunately not. Good, very good. Yeah. Is the uh, is the trim was that a pre skiing or a post skiing haircut? It was pre skiing. Couldn't go looking too homeless on holiday, so I thought I'd make it look better. <laughs> but now I've gone the other way. Now I desperately need to shave. So yeah, <laughs> just like the idea of battle. Going on a ski chalet going how is this homeless man afforded this <laughs> light don't skis very good right should we uh get into it on our week so uh, yeah as i said this week's rivalries we're gonna get into some sports men and women rivalry individual team etc um but before we get to that i was gonna the weekly quiz edition um i'm actually gonna play along this week uh, I haven't I haven't pre-done this and selected the question, so I'm just going to do the first uh, the first five questions of the Guardian Sports Quiz. Oh, we've gone back to thieving someone else's quiz. Oh, now, I, rather than we say we go own. back. We never left thieving someone else's quiz. It was. Oh, has it always been the Guardian? <laughs> it's never not been the Guardian. Oh, right. <laughs> I, just, I, I wasn't coming up with this rubbish myself. You may have to be some really like obscure quiz, so I didn't bother googling it because knowing you, I thought you'd find it from like I don't know the Philippines Today newspaper, and I wouldn't find it. Uh, the Guardian. I can't believe I didn't, didn't didn't try it for God's sake. I mean, I know you cheat when you get more than two out of five right, Jack. So. Oh, I know. I, I've done no research this week as well. So anyway, it Reese cheats anyway. So yeah. Sure. I mean, our, our, um, our lawyers have advised us to to sort of say that there are other newspapers available in the Philippines as well. <laughs> Um, not just Philippines today. Uh, so if you are, I really out there, hope there is. A I really Philippine hope they've got a quiz. Yeah, actually Philippines today. I actually looked up. There is philippinestoday.net. Yeah. Do they have a sport quiz? Philstar.com. Well, hey, looks like that might be uh, might I, be available. I was trademark that. Yeah. It actually might be available. Anyway, right. Question one. Half of the clubs still in the FA Cup do not play in the Premier League. Who were the last club? to win the competition whilst playing outside of the top flight. So the four to choices to win the FA Cup whilst not in the Prem. The, uh, well, top flight doesn't necessarily have to be Top flight, yeah. Uh, football didn't start in 1993 uh, or whenever the Premier League started again. Um, it's all the W's, the options. So it's West Ham, Wigan, Wolves, Wimbledon. Wolverhampton Wanderers. So double W. 
West Ham, Wigan, Wolves or Wimbledon? Who's the last club to win the FA Cup whilst not in the top flight? Mm. Not West Ham. I reckon probably Wolves. I thought... No, Wigan got to the final then. No, I get... What's the Portugal? Portsmouth. Right, I've got my answer. What are you going for, Jack? I went. I wrote down Reading at first, and then you gave me the options. They lost to Arsenal in the final. Ah. That six-five final that was ridiculous. Um, Wolves. You're going Wolves. Yeah. Uh, I said Wolves earlier on, didn't I? Yeah, I'm going Wigan. I thought it was Wigan beating City, wasn't it? Or was that when the? Oh, that was not in the final though. It was West Ham. Really? They beat Arsenal in 1980. That's the last time a team yeah. not in the top flights won the FA Cup. That's crazy. Well, it just shows, I think, that our leagues are working correctly and the best yeah, teams the are good, in the top. Turns out, yeah, yeah. The good teams do well. The good teams do well. Oh, so. on this subject, do you know how long it takes to get from the bottom league to the Premiership? In I saw this video, the one where they started in Dorset rank eight or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, like Devon Southern. <laughs> I did actually number. stay and watch oh, so some guy Sim saying how long, if you created a football team today, how long would it take to get into the Premier League if you got promoted every year? Yeah. And he, he like starts this fictional team in like Dorset Senior 8 Division or something. Um, I didn't actually watch it the whole way through to find out, but I'm going to guess... 16, 16 consecutive promotions. What are you for, Reese? Uh, uh, 17 consecutive yeah. promotions. Yeah, it's 19. 19 yeah. years, I'll take you. That's a lot. That's a lot of leagues, jeez. One, Get that, promoted every year. But sh- yeah, surely there's a way to kind of... We won every game twenty nil in our yeah, first league. Yeah, frog your way up the pyramid. Skip a few. Yeah, come on, just put Popper straight in at Vanarama <laughs> National League. Johnson's Paint Trophy. <laughs> not a league. Famously won by Southampton though. Great trophy, great win for the Saints. Thanks for mentioning it. <laughs> that's good. That's a great fact, Jumpers. Yeah, the video was. It amused me that he decided to start in Dorset for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um. All right, question two. Uh, Just Fontaine, there are who the, died there are this week. Available. There are oh, other leagues available. Um, Just Fontaine, who died this week, is best known for scoring 13 goals for France um, at a World Cup. Uh, which tournament, which team won that tournament? And for just to give you a clue, the photo is black and white they provided of Mr. Fontaine. Okay. So was it France, Brazil, England, or Italy? So he scored 13 goals at a single World Cup. Which team won? That's insane. Which team won that tournament? Got my answer. What were the uh, teams again? Oh, France, Brazil, England, Italy. Are your is your answer based on any kind of educated guesswork? Uh, yes. I'll tell that to me, no. Um, <laughs> not Italy, but I said that about West Ham and it was West Ham. Um, don't think it was England. Uh, so I'm going to go Brazil. My yeah, logic. I got Brazil as well. Yeah, I went Brazil. My logic was France weren't any good until the 90s, basically. Italy, 
Italy maybe. It could be a weird one of England because it's from that era looking at the black and white photo with the... They had colour, they had colour though, didn't they, in the, in the 60s? Uh, not in the video, but but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Brazil as well. It is Brazil. It is Brazil. Uh, they France lost to Brazil in the semi-final. Um, of? France lost to Brazil in the semi-final. What? Of what, of what year? You said the year yet? Oh, it doesn't actually say. Oh, um, great, great. But uh, they, they won the third place playoff 6-3 with Fontaine scoring four of the goals yeah. over uh, West Germany. Good play. Clearly. Yeah, four in one game. Nah, that's just in third place, but they don't. Those four yeah. don't count. Um, right, question three. British 16-year-old Mia Brooks oh, yeah. won a world title this week, becoming the youngest world champion in the history of which sport? Is it parkour, snowboarding, Table tennis or archery? I've got my answer, and yeah, it's purely based out of how quickly and confidently Reese said, "Oh yeah," after <laughs> finding out the name of the athlete. I love archery. What can so, I say? Because Reese is a dirty snowboard junkie. I'm guessing oh, snowboarding. That's so annoying. Can you at least let Jup guess first as well? <laughs> I, I, it is. It is definitely snowboarding. Have you got it written down there? Can I just see physical evidence of you giving that? Uh, I can't. It's got work stuff on it. I can send you a picture. You'll have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's snowboarding. It's like slope style. It was snowboarding. Thank you, Reese. Oh, God. I'm not sure what I'd get, what I would have guessed without your clue. Probably 16-year-olds. Uh, yeah. It's not the big one. Winter Olympics, wasn't it? That's when, she's, that's when she got it. So that was yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah, if uh, anyone wants to spend a happy couple of minutes, uh, look at the slope style uh, highlights on YouTube. Or, or just pick up a copy of type. SSX Tricky and oh, a PS2. And then spend the next few weeks <laughs> mastering the guillotine with Simon, the best character. Tricks equal boost. Boost equal speed. <laughs> trick, trick boost. Oh, we're such virgins. Um, question four. <laughs> Novak Djokovic has set a new world record by spending 378 weeks as world number one in tennis. Who previously held the record? Was it Federer, Navratilova, Williams, or Steffi Graf? I'm between two. Was it 378 weeks in total or straight? Total, not consecutive, no. no. Okay. He's just got it back. Remember, because that stupidly young, is it Alvarez, the 18-year-old? Yeah. Um, got it a few while ago, and he became the youngest person to ever be world number one. Um, yeah, well, I think I know it mainly from earlier. I'm between two, and I'll go with that one. Yep. I'm going to go Navratilova. But I was torn between her and Graf. Um, I'm thinking they're Bratilova, partly because yeah. this could be something I ring up later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the same. It is Steffi Graf. Damn, I, I knew. I knew it was Steffi. Why do I not say, you idiot? Reese, is this your stat for later? You got it wrong. No, it's slightly different. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'll, you'll see what. You'll see what. <laughs> Uh, and question five, what happened after four minutes and 17 seconds of the Besiktas Antalyaspor match in the Turkish Super League on Sunday? 
Uh, I'm not going to give you options because I think it gives it away. Um, Actually, okay. I'll give the options. Is it earthquake a trick question? Oh, I know. Is this because this the is it the earth? not the earthquake? No, oh, this is it that they everyone threw all the toys onto the pitch, right, for victims of the earthquake. Sorry for ruining it. But yes, um, fans threw thousands of stuffed toys, thousands of stuffed toys onto the pitch, which were donated to the those children affected by the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Um, and the reason it was four minutes seventeen was that the earthquake struck at four seventeen a.m. Nice. Uh, I we did okay there. What we did okay. That look, look, no one's disagreeing with toys for earthquake victims. If you were a player, wouldn't that be slightly irritating? I feel the players knew because I think it's a thing in the is it the German league where there's they a, do it every year already. There's a specific fixture. It's there's a fixture yeah. where they all do it and they get donated to a children's charity. Maybe it's Turkey and ice hockey as well. Actually, there's a game. Yeah. where something similar happens. So I feel the players would know. Then what do you do? Do you warm up properly for the start of the game? Yeah, because it only takes two or three minutes to come up. I feel they're quite ready for it. Mm. Um, it takes two or three minutes to throw them onto the pitch. Yeah, true. It's, the video's the a video? bit mad. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we did okay there. We did okay. Three out of five as a team. Um, oh, interestingly, uh, did you see the draw for the FA Cup? Um, United now been drawn a home game for the tenth time in a row, which is a one in one thousand and twenty-four event. Which is uh, interesting. The odds of getting ten home games in a row. Yeah. Well, you know, United, isn't it? Yeah. Refs are just biased towards them. Seven 0 Suck it. <laughs> Don't get away. That, yeah. The videos of Bruno Fernandes as well. Yeah, shocking, yeah. isn't it? He's uh, yeah. That's pretty pretty poor. Um. Yeah, good quizzing. Uh, on to the main part of this week, so rivalries. Uh, Jappy, I'm guessing, do, do you have a rivalry or are you too busy not researching anything to have anything? I, have a, I have a rivalry. Uh, do you want to kick us off on the rivalry bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've gone for something slightly different because... I Is it F1? I know, because I want to say F1 <laughs> so badly. But it's every week I talk about F1, and I still haven't got over a launch so at the weekend. Good, this, Stormer. This, this week I'm talking about F1, so... Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. I think we need to need a separate podcast just to talk about F1 and get out of our system. Well, we had an NFL one, so why not have an F1 podcast? To yeah. get it out of your system. And there's definitely no podcast in existence where three straight white men talk about F1, so... Oh, I wouldn't be talking about the F1. <laughs> and Reese definitely isn't straight either, but yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Don't hang through that one. Anyway, um, so I've gone for the boat race between Cambridge and Oxford. And Ooh. less statistics, more just like facts, really. Um, when does a fact become a statistic? Well, yeah. I guess there's a, they are stats in a sense. Well, one is, one is a little fact out of all of it um it was it's really hard to come up with stats for it because they measure the distance between the winds in like really funky ways so one of them's called the canvas which is the front part of the boat and then the bit between the very front and i think where the cock sits and that because that's traditionally that was there was a cover over it so if you win by the canvas it's that area of space and so like how do you determine what that is in terms of the distance because it's not written down anywhere is yeah Anyway. Ah, the classic seven and a half canvas wins. <laughs> yeah. <at Oxford>. yeah. 
just useless. Um, anyway, so yeah, between the two, everyone I assume knows is in Cambridge and Oxford. Um, anyone know? Do you know who's who's on what wins? How many draws? Can we? They can them? draw. Yeah. What if they cross the line? At the, if there's no canvases or lengths in the finish, yeah. But surely you can always. It's like the hundred meter race. You can always have a winner, right? It's impossible to exactly cross at the same time. I'm not sure the resources that are poured into the 100 meter Olympic final are available for. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how many times this happened. I think Oxford are a smidge ahead overall, but I don't know how many times this happened. So the opposite Cambridge are slightly ahead with 85 wins to Oxford's 81. That is incredibly close. Yeah. Yeah, that's outrageous. Um, The fastest winning time for the course is 16 minutes and 19 seconds. The slowest is... To go what distance? um, 3.6 kilometres, so just over two miles. That's quite slow. I don't know what's quite... That's quite inefficient. That's quite inefficient. I think they'd be much quicker. I can run that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what a quick rowing pace is. I I basically... I think 16 minutes of rowing is too much, frankly. (laughs) As a sport, I... Agree with it. You can't take a little, <laughs> little break halfway through, which is what I like doing in most of my It is really tiring, the rowing machine, isn't it? It's it really part of my newer gym regime. I started doing a little early to finish <laughs> 5k. Not a big, diff- not a big, not a big deal. No, MBD. MBD hurts a lot. Uh, uh, apologies. Sorry. That was the old course. The new course is 4.2 miles, so just under 7 kilometers. I did think that was a bit slow. I, I was going to say, because yeah. I'm trying to remember what pace I try and do when I'm on the treadmill, and I swear it's between yeah, 25 is, and 30 minutes for a 5k. This is water, though. There's significant res- resistance. Uh, did I say treadmill? I meant um, rowing machine. Oh, right. I wondered. I'm sure it's like 5k in about half an hour is doable by yourself. 5k in half an hour? Yeah, I tend to do more. So for them to do 3k in 16 minutes, I was like, I was, would have been surprised for that to be the distance. Yeah. Is 4.2 miles, which makes a lot more sense. Well, you've got to be careful. Rapid. You can't, can't catch any crabs out there. That's fine. You're an idiot. That's rowing lingo. I know, it's a rowing term. Do you know what it is? It's where you the blade is not quite perpendicular to the water as you... Supposedly you catch the blade on the water. Correct. Oh, Reset, you can, you can break crabs. the oar. Recess crabs. Well, you know, I went to school with a lot of rowers <laughs> who uh, just were very... Lots of not, just very rowing, a more lycra and talked about rowing all the time. Woke up at 4 a.m. every day, yeah. Just going down the boathouse, just going down the boathouse, grow up. <laughs> that reminds me, did you, did you were you guys probably not you, Rich, you were too old, but Phil, were you in that when you were at school? Did you have that um campaign to get people rowing? It was called like Tall and Handsome or something. No, yeah, I was thinking about this. This is what drove my uh motivation for this. It was a uh, it was like when you're at school, whoever was taught like. Uh, it, it, the nickname may have been tall and handsome, but if you're over a certain heights, basically you, you were selected and you go and do, do a training, like practice event for it. Oh, and wow. uh, we've got, I've got one, one guy I went to school with is now a professional like row, rowing coach, I guess, and trialed for the Olympics or whatever, and didn't make it, but yeah, out of that. That's mad. Yeah. The one guy in my year at school, he got into basically the second string team for GB, never quite made the, the like top boat or whatever they call it. And he was giganormous. He was just an absolute beast of a man. When he tried to do his like 100 meter PBs on the row machine, he had to have two people stood at either end of the row machine to stop it moving along the floor. 
That's outrageous. He was so big, it was unreal. If we're doing doing rowing oh, stories of uh, rowing stories of, uh, of, of of people from my youth, uh, two of well, lots of my my school aren't the excellent rowers, particularly recently Ollie Cook and Matt Rosser in the old GB Coxless Four. Nice. Yeah, actually, very good. Actually, very good rowers. If you're listening, lads, good on you. Were they just in your year though, or were you actually mates with them? Uh, I, I was I was on good terms. If you pass them in the street, they stop and say, oh, hey, Reese, haven't seen you in a while. Maybe. No. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie went to LSE, so he'd have been around oh, nice. a bit. What should we sing now? Actually, that, that kind of rowing scheme that you mentioned reminds me, I, I'm pretty sure it was handball, where, and again, I'm pretty sure it was in, in GB, there was a coach came in and basically went for a full overhaul of the coaching system and the team and basically sent out to universities and sports clubs um, essentially are you over I think it was six or three whatever the number was is your hand span over x centimeters if so like come and trial and literally just sent these like flyers to sports clubs up and down the country it's like do you want to try a new sport are you this tall yeah are you this long and misshapen <laughs> come come try handball and kind of like it, it absolutely worked and like because i guess it gets to stage with certain sports whereby the limiting factor is just your body you can you physically like i'm 511 and a half mm. slash six foot depending on what's on my dating profile um i would i no matter how much fitness training i do no matter what i would never be an olympic rower it is impossible for someone under six foot to be an olympic rower mm. Like, it just can't happen. And you're too too thick to be a cox as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that dump truck. But I think it was just quite interesting how, like, you, you in so many sports, we think, oh, natural ability, born with it, Lionel Messi, whoever it is. But then there's some sports where it's like, oh, cool, you're not over six foot. You will never be an Olympian at the sport. It is impossible. Mm. It's just impossible. Yeah. So just send out a leaflet saying, are you a misshapen freak? Come play handball. Yeah, do you reckon it's that's the psychology of them being like, oh, rather than just a plain old flyer saying come play handball, it's oh you're slightly better than everyone else because your hand span is slightly yeah. better. Than yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in the top pay for us. Yeah, certainly, surely to an element, there's people who are like, I'm. They're specifically looking for me. Yeah, like I'm rather wanted. It's not just anyone. It's my uh, yeah. my misshapen hands are a good Stop thing. Stop saying now. misshapen. If you've got big <laughs> hands and you play handball and you're listening, you've got big gloves. You've got big gloves. Uh, you're not a misshapen freak. <laughs> you know, Phil's out here buying special, special chinos. Ladies, small gloves. Special chinos, I was going to say, because <laughs> of your, your massive thighs. Is he a misshapen freak? Not for me to say, but yes. Oh, sorry, carry on with your... Yeah, and just if anyone wasn't sure, I wasn't selective for tall and handsome being short. <laughs> well, just, yeah, just so we get, get that clear. Um, anyway, the rest of the stats are, you know, tourist competitor, any guesses? Tallest, 6'8". Yeah. Oh, but can you be too big? To you, I think you can boat? be too tall, which is why I went 6'8", and not like 7". I'm going to go, I think, possibly like 6'6". Six. 6'7". Six. Six, okay, so the difference. He- yeah. he- heaviest in kilos? Heaviest oh, and lightest. There you go. There'll be whoppers. <laughs> right, like, right, like heaviest and lightest rowers, or heaviest yeah. and lightest? Oh, so not competitors. Cox doesn't count. Uh, I reckon heavy, there'll be some giants. I'm mean, 108 heaviest. 
88 lightest. I reckon I 150. Surely, if you're like six foot seven and built like a brick toilet house, you would be 120 <laughs> kg. Yeah. And light. Uh, and lightest. And lightest like 98. Okay, I've gone too light on the lightest. Yeah. Uh, so the lightest maybe slightly trick question. The stats go back to the 80s. Oh, get out of here. I don't care about Willie Dixon from 1932, (laughs) who was £2 sopping wet. Alfred Higgins, the lightest guy, his name. Of course. You you weren't far off. Uh, He was 60 kilos. Oh, that's ridiculous. 60 kilos. Literally skin and bones. Uh, I think a meal's in that. And uh, yeah, the he- the heaviest was a-, a chap called Thorsten Engelman. Of course, it's Thor. That's an amazing right. Thorsten. He weighed 110 kilos. 110. That is big. Because um, the good, cool, funny thing about rowing, they have like, in when you get into elite rowing, they have like this power to weight ratio, basically, where they can work out what your ideal body weight is for how much power you output. Um, and the guy I went to school was telling me how someone on their team, someone on their boat, training squad wasn't heavy enough and they would literally eat an entire tub of ben and jerry's every night to try and put on enough weight because they're burning so many calories training he was eating loads and just not capable of putting weight on so he just started eating like a tub of ice cream every night because to put on like 10 kilos god they need to start they need to start being an elite rower yeah <laughs> <laughs> um right i've got two That's two other you. things two other things left so yeah back to the the draw thing so there's a bit of a there's a bit of a story around this. So there's been one draw ever, and the myth goes apparently the judge that was judging who won was 70 years old, blinding ah. blinding one eye, <laughs> apparently completely plastered and was asleep under a bush when the race finished, and so he announced the race to be a draw. What year was this? <laughs> uh, 1877 or 18. 18- Amazing. Yeah, I think. Um, I still have a begrudging respect for this judge. Yeah. Mainly because I mean, there's, there's so many issues here. Why did they ask him? Why did he say yes? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that, that's the three of us as judges, isn't it? Or definitely me. Um, and anyway, the last one. Just I think we've contributed. Of... One, one of us would be. Oh, I'm, I work, well, actually, you're the blindest out of the three of us. I'm the blindest, yeah. I start you'd, also be, you'd also be drunk under a tree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Phil wouldn't be drunk because you'd be busy shed, for shedding calories, probably cutting. Uh, bulking season. Boating is bulking. <laughs> Boating is bulking. Um, right, l- last thing before we move on. A um, little weird fact is the average, do you know the average time for training per stroke? Do you want to guess what it is? Yeah, the obvious average time of training per stroke, what, in the race or? Yeah. So as in, if, if the race is, was it 4.2 kilometers and you have one stroke every 10 meters using 420 strokes, then how much time do you spend training? Phil, you're the math, you're the maths man. I you mean, train, probably train for six hours a day or something stupid, morning nah, and evening. Nah, it'll be four hours. Maybe you met rowers. It'll be 30 hours a week wow. training. They're like ducks. Uh, that's a, I, I reckon. That's six, yeah. No. I reckon is. 10 hours of training per stroke in the race uh it's it's two two hours that's still two mental hours. that's still crazy isn't it every stroke is two hours of training and it's over in well in some cases 17 minutes 
that oh, that's a, a that'd, be, that'd be a pp <laughs> it's a hell of a lot of training they are just machines that's another one of those sports where you're you're just turning your body into a biological machine it's yeah. like the sprint cycling just pure yeah. biological machine not a huge, um, yes there is technique and skill but the absolute bulk of what it is is just turning your body into a machine as as streamlined and efficient as possible endurance cyclist just it's crazy mm. i mean don't get me wrong i uh, i gym regularly now uh <laughs> i uh for those that aren't aware not mentioning Reece, got a gym membership <laughs> 10 days ago and uh, has been twice tw- 20 days ago i've been six times seven actually 30 seven, backmen 30 backmen every head and you got lifting straps you're right gym bro now yeah, like you're, you're lifting straps yeah it's because no. i could my grip, my grip is rubbish. Because you've got teeny are... dainty lady hands, you can't. <laughs> you'd be rubbish at handball. Well, that's why they've not. They've not been in touch with me. Honestly, <laughs> um, rowing, no. Handball, no. If anyone needs a little squat, a squat little, slightly <laughs> athletic man, he's got the first five yards up in his head. Give me a shout. Um, yeah, Jeff, I I can deadlift a fair amount, but my my grip's not very good. So now I've got straps and look like an idiot. Anyway, um, so you've got straps, you've got proper power lifting shoes. What other stash have you bought for the gym? Um, not about yet. I've bought uh, three, uh, I splashed out on three Nike training tops for 20 quid each, and I bought mediums, and they probably could be a bit bigger. <laughs> He's got a protein shake in the gym, uh, in the fridge as well, currently. That's, that's, that's not mine, that's yours, which right. I should not be drinking. <laughs> but I've had the occasional protein shake. You know. Blimey. And I'm also breathing in. I can't remember what I was saying now. <laughs> probably, it's probably irrelevant. So Phil was eyeing me up there. I was like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable here. Nice. Uh, yeah, I just sound, I just don't. How the 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 payoff, the feeling of winning that race must be so unbelievably unreal to make that anywhere near yeah. worth it. And what if you lose? Yeah, what a exactly. waste. What a waste of time, frankly. Well, most of them go on to then run the Olympics. Olympics, so. yeah probably a bit of a bummer but it's just one loss on your journey to a hopeful medal fair and good reason to get you learn more from your losses than your victories reese uh well i wouldn't know about that having had a great win at the weekend and a man of the match award so you got man of the match oh don't don't, yeah because everyone's blind when they're watching apparently because i'm unreal you you did two things where it was you not hitting the bed and somehow you got mom versus you doing anything actually good it was you you didn't do anything that detracted not that i'm bitter and twisted about was that what was it a weak side out on saturday or what happened <laughs> very good side anyway i'll tell you later <laughs> the people at home don't care about my own personal sporting victories although i'm sure they'd love to hear more of them the, 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 we haven't got enough time we'll do a side pod we'll do a side <laughs> pod right right so i'll uh, i'll take over that's class job from the boat race um, have any of you actually been to one to watch? Have you? Have, have any of you, I said, because I, I oh, have no. I've never gone. No. no, why would you go and watch? You just see them row past, want the You just get battered. You just get drunk, yeah. You're yeah, absolutely binned. It's like going to Henley. You just yeah, so go to get binned. Yes, yeah, so what's the point of going to. You're not, why would you have gone to watch the race? Rubbish. Anyway. Okay. Did I not mention I went to Cambridge? Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, you should have mentioned that sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna waiting not. for you to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. This is too bait, isn't it? Yeah. 
I thought that was the only reason you picked the boat race to just abuse me for twenty minutes. <laughs> nah, I mean, yeah, it took you the second time around to get in, but you know, wait, wait. Yeah, that was a real missed opportunity. Anyway, right. So mine, I'm gonna quickly <clears throat> talk about F1, but then move on to uh, a different rivalry. So, just a quick F1 rivalry I want to mention was Prost versus Senna. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes. All-time great rivalries in sport. Um, two of the greatest drivers of all time. And they were stylistically quite different. So Prost uh, famously reflected that Senna wanted to destroy me uh, in an interview. And this is despite the two of them racing on the same team for mm. a lot of their victories. Um, so this uh, rivalry peaked in 1989, um, where the pair were fighting for the championship in their McLarens. Uh, and they forced each other off the track at Suzuka. Uh, Senna was uh, behind in the championship, so needed to win. Uh, tried to drive past Alan Prost uh, at a chicane and came together. Both went off the track. Uh, Senna rejoined and went on to win the race. It was later disqualified for a rule infringement for deliberately driving Prost off the track. Um, and this is one of the kind of moments that everyone uh, went back to just before the Abu Dhabi race final between. Um, Verstappen and Hamilton in 2021 saying, you know, if one of you forces the other off, you get disqualified, so don't do it. Um, but yeah, I think just quite impressive that the two of them were so, so good, effectively on the same team and such bitter rivals. So in all, um, they raced 116 times together um, and 54 times Prost came ahead, Senna 50 times, so 54 to 50, Ooh. so gotta be close. And in 12, <coughs> in 12 races, they both DNF'd, <laughs> which is quite high. In 10% of races, yeah. they both DNF'd. How, how many races to a season? Roughly? Back then, it was much, much fewer. It was like 10, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was between 10 and 15. So that's, that's like 10. Yeah, yeah it was roughly 10 seasons they raced together. Um, and yeah, one in 10 races, they both DNF'd. But DNF's were a lot more common back then because of just car reliability. Um, and Prost edges it in world championships with four to uh to Senna's three um but just i think f1's a good one for rivals you get quite a lot in different eras um and i think f1's one where it kind of needs that rivalry to be to be interesting which it very much isn't at the moment so you had before they showed hamilton verstappen for two years before that hamilton and vettel before that hamilton and rosberg so it's always been i think eras are defined mm. by Kind of brilliant rivalries. Who was Schumacher's main between Mika Hakkinen? Mika Hakkinen, Hakkinen, yeah. And uh, for one season, I think he was he won eighty something, almost ninety percent races. He was completely unchallenged in like two thousand and three or something. Yeah, yeah. That was my F, my brief F one one. It's quite interesting Just, as well. You get two rivals on the same team, right? Because yeah. F one cars tend to be set up with a lead well, a lead driver in the driver and the car is kind of slightly tuned to the lead driver's preferences yeah that that's one of the things going on at the minute apparently the rebel was just purely tuned for verstappen perez could be doing better if it were more molded in but you can't really blame Red Bull, right just just one clarification is it's not in terms of like it's a different engine it's this it's the way the car drives so they can tune it so it either may, has more slide at the back or more grip at the front and it's up to driver preference that's the difference but quickly on the Prost thing, Prost and Senna, it would have been interesting if Senna had, hadn't died when he did because 
young Schumacher was coming through. Yeah. Sen- Senna died, well, crashed racing Schumacher and trying to be too aggressive. And I think that could have been an even bigger rivalry between the two of them than it was. Between I'm Schumacher. pretty sure, I think Senna died in 94, which was Schumacher's first win. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think it was the, it was that one corner they were racing and, and Senna was just trying to get past and overdid it and, and went straight into the wall, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the main rivalry I want to talk about was El Clasico, um, mainly because I think I was trying to think of examples where there's obviously loads of rivalries in sport. You go Celtic Rangers, you go uh, River Plate Boca Juniors. Uh, there's there's a lot United Liverpool. There's there's a huge number where they've had rivalries throughout time. But I think. Madrid Barcelona is the one that comes to mind when you think of just absolute quality. Like, I can't remember. There's not been a time in my life where one of those teams hasn't been arguably the, the best team in the world. And between the two of them, you could probably put together an eleven that definitely would be the best team in the world. At almost again, since I've been alive. So I mean, just want to touch on those and the stats behind it. So just for clarification, El Clasico is the match between Real Madrid and Barcelona, the two Spanish football teams. Um, so who do you think has the most wins out of their 252 matches? Presumably Real, due to their sort of, they were unbelievable in like the 50s, 60s, I think possibly 70s, with the sort of Di Stefano push gas teams. So, Jup, what do you reckon? Yeah, I was just uh, for me, it's 50 50, so yeah, real. So, there's 252 matches, 52 draws, oh, leaving 200, 200 grabs, and it is 101 to 99 in Real's favour. Right again. Is, Good uh, lord, that is, that is close. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they are two of the three teams. That have never been relegated. Do you know the third? Just teams in general that have never been relegated. There's, there's three clubs that have in, never in been Liga. relegated from the Liga. Uh, the third is Valencia because they're in trouble this season. Well done, Reese. You have embarrassed yourself because it's not Valencia. Um, it is Athletic Bilbao. Bilbao. Oh, God damn it. They've never gone down. Uh, what's the lowest either team has ever finished? The lowest, um, maybe like eighth or ninth or something. It no, be, be, be third or fourth, I suspect. Um, I'm gonna say fourth. So Barca have finished twelfth, Real eleventh, back oh, really? in like the forties. Uh, get over there, get out. Um, interesting. When Real finished twelfth, I think there were only like fifteen teams in the league, so they cut it fine yeah. for getting relegated, but never have. Um, so some of the stats, uh, most appearances. Uh, oh, it'd be like Casillas or Raul, presumably. No and no. Ah, really? It is a current player. Oh, a current player who's old, possibly Luka Modric. Um, Barcelona have got Busquets, I think would be the other one. Uh, Real, yeah. No, but Mo- no, Mo- Modric's been there for ages, but he's not. They have 46 appearances. 46, which would probably basically the amount of times they played is like 12 seasons, like 10 to 12 seasons, possibly more. Um, it's not Ramos, is it? Or has he, has he left 
Oh, he's a PSG. PSG. Barca. Are you counting Xavi as manager no. of Barca? It is, it is Biscuits. Soggy Biscuits? Soggy Biscuits. Sergio Biscuits with 46. And then uh, Messi's on 45. Um, oh, and... yeah. oh, yeah, him. <laughs> Biscuits has also got the most wins with 22. Ramos has the most losses with 20. Um, do you know who has the most yellow and red cards? The most yellow in the whole fixture? Yeah. Uh, surely Sergio Ramos slash Pepe. Yeah, Ramos was prolific for reds, right? Yeah, Ramos has 22 yellows, five reds in 45 games. Dang. So a yellow every other, which I thought would have been more. He's had a yellow every other game. Uh, fun fact. Well, fun, uh, well, actually, no, we'll get to the end of this. But sorry. I thought he'd have had more than that. but have a... um, And then I'll just get a couple more stats. Do you, do you and then an inverse appearance one about Eden Hazard? Oh, what? Do you know how many Classicos he's appeared in since he moved in 2019? Uh, one? Zero. Zero? Jesus. Yeah. That's zero. That's ridiculous. He has played a hilariously low number of minutes. In the he's also their all-time most expensive signing now. I think a lot of the add-on clause. Oh, really? And he's now more expensive than Gareth Bale. Hilarious. Um, what is the record for the most assists in a single match in El Clasico? You know the player. It'll be like four from Messi, surely. Yeah. It is four from Xavi in 2009. Uh, of course. Yeah, he Which is that. ridiculous. 2009, was that the Messi, David Villa, Henri? Eto'o uh, yeah. probably wasn't there. Um, and then the most goals? In a, in a game? Uh, total. Total. Overall. Um, surely Messi. But the fact that you've asked a question implies that it isn't. Hmm. If it wasn't going to be Messi, who would it be, Juppers? Uh, Ronaldo? Mm. Oh, Pierre Misery is Messi by a mile. Oh, right. Uh, he's 26. <laughs> he's 26. Ronaldo and Di Stefano have 18. He's just uh, absolutely ridiculous. Most in the game is three. No one's ever scored more than three. Um, several people have scored hat tricks. So. You think David Alaba got a lot of uh, racist abuse on Twitter after yes. the Austrian national team voted for Messi as the World Player of the Year ahead of Karim Karim Benzema. Um, he had to come out and say, like, it wasn't me voting for this. Which is disgusting in itself, because even if it were him voting for it, it doesn't justify racial abuse. Ridiculous. The Spanish do get passionate, not, again, justifying it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then, so that's kind of the stats behind it but there's one story that i want to talk about which i i'd never heard of despite knowing a reasonable amount about a classico so obviously players playing for both teams isn't unheard of and um, in fact who is the latest player to have played for both barca and real the latest player um i'd be floored if you get him it's not like a... they've also played in the prem are they as in in the squads or played for both teams? They have to. I think they have to have played. Right. It's not team. Alvaro Arbeloa, is it? It is not. He was at Liverpool and Madrid, not Barca. Um, Clue, they 
killed someone in their car. Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso. That's really annoying. I was about to. I was going to say. Because I didn't realise he started at Barca. Like did I? Then went oh, to yeah, Bolton, then Florentina, then Chelsea, and now Real. Other way. Round. Well, well, yeah, Real, other like Real, Real. Sorry. yeah, no, Barca. And he had, yeah, so he's played for both Barca and Real. And then in the, it's so funny on the Wikipedia page, it was like via Bolton, Florentina, and Chelsea. Um, but yeah, so there's several players um, who've played for both teams, some very notable players. Arguably one of the biggest players who played for both, Luis Figo. Uh, so this was back in the mid-noughties. Uh, Luis Figo was playing for Barcelona. Um, and the then not chair president yet, Fiorentino Perez, made a apparently verbal agree- uh, agreement with Luis Figo that if he became president, Figo would sign for Real. And Perez got an agreement that if he didn't, there was basically a 30 million euro break clause if he didn't sign for Real. Obviously, Perez then becomes president of Real Madrid, comes out and tells the media about this deal. Luis Figo goes, no, what you're on about. It didn't happen. I didn't make this agreement. I'm a Barcelona player. Um, I don't know, lawyers get involved, et cetera, et cetera. Clearly, the contract had been signed because... They have the contract saying 30 million break clause. Um, so basically Barcelona to keep Figo would have had to have paid Real Madrid 30 million euros. So they'd have had to spend 30 million euros signing a player that was already playing for them, which for context would have made him the fifth most expensive player of all time at that point to carry on playing for Barcelona. Um, the Barcelona manager, president, I can't remember which, basically said, Soji Figo, you're just trying to get rich. Yeah. You're no longer a Barcelona player, and then that's when he went to Real Madrid. So he went across with serious bad blood. I like, yeah. I knew he was hated yeah, the pigs by Barca, yeah. but like, I didn't realize it was that crazy of like verbal agreements with Perez, I'll move, all these break clauses, and then basically Barcelona turning around saying, Soji, you greedy bastards, you're not playing for us anymore. Go play for Real Madrid. Good on them. Yeah. But how, for them. how could he agree that Barca, how could he contract Barcelona to be on the hook for... Yeah, that's what, yeah, it's crazy. The, the, like, break clause of 30 mil or whatever, mad. Whoever agreed to that, or however it got, like, held up. Yeah, there will be lawyers. Yeah, exactly. That is, yeah, he was... Obviously, Mental. Obviously, Ronaldo went from Barca to Inter back to Real Madrid. Yeah. The original Ronaldo. Not R9, as you kids are calling him. All oh, right, I was about to say R9. <laughs> yeah, grow up. <laughs> Aldo Nazario. Um, De Lima. Yeah, some very good players play for both, but uh, Figo story was one that I was particularly interested in. Really yeah, that's my El Clasico down. Well, just working off that, I actually had a little a little rivalry, football rivalries sort of list set aside. So obviously El Clasico is the, the Barcelona-Real Madrid game. There's Der Klassiker in Germany. Do you know who that is? Bayern München uh, and Dortmund. Yeah. I'm guessing. Well, that's De Klassiker in uh, Netherlands, although that wasn't a Dutch accent. De Klassiker. Uh, ooh. PSV. Uh... And Antwerp, is it? Is it... What's uh, the... Antwerp's Belgium, no? Oh, yeah. In the Netherlands. Um, yeah. I definitely. This is an obvious club that I'm not naming, right? Yeah, the biggest club in the Netherlands. Yeah. Ajax. Uh, uh, Ajax, of course, yeah. Yeah, so it's Ajax Feyenoord. Oh, not PSV. Oh. 
No, uh, PSV IX, I think, is called De Topper. Steady on. Is that right? Not De Bottomer. It's known as De Top. Brilliant. <laughs> it's known as De Topper. Look at how happy he is with that <laughs> terrible joke. I, I have to. I literally Shocking. have to look at I'll be booting him off my premises straight afterwards. Uh, there's Le Classique in France. Uh, oh. Is it Nice or Lille? I'm going to go Nice. No. Lille. Also no. Oh. I don't know then. I'm assuming PSG is the yeah, other one, PSG. right? PSG. Uh, what's, the French what's the French national anthem called? Oh, Marseille, damn. It's Marseille PSG. And then you've got El Clásico in Portugal. Can I say all four of your European accents have been exactly the same, despite doing <laughs> Holland, <laughs> France. They're all, they're all essentially the same word. What do you mean to do? Le classique. Le classique. Le classique. I don't, I don't speak Portuguese. How classical? The Portuguese would be um, Benfica Porto. Absolutely right. I've got a few more interests. So it's a more, more cooler names. Obviously, the Super Classico. Uh, that's Boca um, Riverplano. Yep. There's the Darby della Madonnina. Oh, Jesus. Not a clue. That's oh, I'm going to guess just as any... um, the Brazil one. The Darby della Madonnina. Darby de la Madonnina. Well, that's sounding Italian. Yeah. All oh, right. Fair enough. Thanks uh, very much. What a lovely compliment. Roma, you know. It's not Maybe the two. Roma, you. What do you reckon, Jabbers? It's not uh, the two Inters. It is indeed the oh, two. Nice. It's Inter AC. You mean the two Milans? Darby del Sole. <laughs> Darby of the Sun. Darby of the Sun. Roma, Juve. It's Roma Napoli. Ah. Ah. There we've got some interesting ones. So El Trafico. Have you heard of this? I think I have heard of this. I've no idea where from. El Trafico. El Tra Trafico. I so, don't know. It's a soccer game. Oh god. Oh. Don't care. New York Red Bulls versus Miami Dolphins, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> oh, you're afraid to me. It's LA Galaxy LAFC. Because obviously there's like traffic in LA, right? Um, that's the worst name for a derby. The distance derby? It's not not strictly a derby. Should I guess what the distance derby would be? Well, I'm assuming it's two teams very far apart. What country's really big? USA. No. Oh. Brazil, China, Russia. Oh, Australia. Australia. <laughs> exactly. So it's Perth, Wellington, which are 3,247 miles apart. Oh, God. That can't be a rivalry. It's just miles away. Yeah, it's not. I think it might be manufactured. There's the Fla Flu. <laughs> Fleshy. Thanks uh, very much. <laughs> no idea. Uh, Flamingo Fluminense in Brazil. Nice. Um, there's the Derby of the Eternal Enemies. Oh, God. No idea. Olympiakos, Panathinaikos. And my possible favourite, the Holy War in Turkey? Poland. Oh, wow. Krakowia versus Wisla Krakow. The Holy War. The Holy War. Some of the footage is incredible. It's like, you know, the, uh, burning. Of the game or something else? Oh, of, okay. of, the, of like the fans in yeah. the crowd. Um, yeah. yeah, just unreal. Mad. Mad. Anyway, um, should we do my actual? Yeah, go for it. You just send, send my, actually, I think I can do the notes over here. Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> Phil's gone to collect chicken wings. I'm just a freestyle and Phil, <laughs> Phil Air. So, I'll shout really loudly. I mean, you can, you can basically see this anyway. Um, 
So my uh, my rivalry is Martina Navratilova against Chris Avert, which is particularly apt given today is International Women's Day. Good on yes. you, women. Thumbs up from me. You're you're okay. Um, so these guys, the rivalry is basically they play each other eighty times between 1973 and 1988. Um, play each other eighty times. Juppers, guess how many of those were in finals? Sorry, say it again. I was I was laughing at the uh, women. You're okay with a thumbs up. Just a thumbs up. Yeah. Sorry. Say say that again. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Chris Evert and Martina Navratilova, female tennis players, um, played each other over eight. Uh, each other eighty times between nineteen seventy three and nineteen eighty eight. Guess mm. how many of those eighty matches were in finals? Was the seeding system in place then, or was it? I believe so. Oh, then it'd be, a, it'd be high. I want it surely can't be as I want to say. I'm gonna go forty three. It is. It's high. It's even higher. It's, it's 60. higher. Sixty. Sixty oh, finals in eighty matches. Silly guess. Seventy-five percent. Um, so Navratilova leads leads the head-to-head. So she's won forty-three to about thirty-seven. And in those sixty finals, uh, she'd won thirty-six to Navratilova, twenty-four to Avert. Um, so the the uh, women's tennis rankings were introduced in November nineteen seventy-five. Uh, so the, obviously the top ranked player tracks the end of every week. Um, Navratilova and Avert held the number one spot for 592 out of the first 627 weeks. Jesus. So that's 1975 to 1987, August 1987. One of those two were basically top, for top, top one. And if you look at the, uh, the, the, the list of who was top at the time, it sort of switches about well, 16 times between the oh, two wow. of them. It's it's genuinely ridiculous. Um, but it should be mentioned. So, so Navratilova top for 332, Evert top for 260. With Yvonne Gulagang, Gulagong, sorry, top for two weeks, and Tracy Austin top for 21 weeks. Tracy Austin, okay. In that gap as well. Uh, that your pronunciation of Chris Evert's surname is Flawless Race. Thank you. That is because, as you well know, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't either, and so I just did a little uh, pronunciation check beforehand. And Google had had it playing out your speaker. It's bled loudly out of my speaker, yeah. <laughs> look, look, people, I know I make it seem like I don't really know what I'm doing, but there's a lot of preparation goes into being this useless, <laughs> frankly. It's the Boris Johnson appearance. Um, so from the 1981 Australian Open to 1985 Wimbledon, the two of them won 15 consecutive major single titles. What? Just the two of them 15 in a row? That's just, that's properly mental. Genu- utter, utterly, that's utterly ridiculous. ridiculous. 15 in a row. Um, and from if you go from 1981 Wimbledon to the 1988 Australian Open, 27 majors, they won 22, one of those, we won 22 of them, and at least one of them appeared in every single one of those 27 finals. Like it's an utter, utter period of dominance, which is like mad. And I think it's quite interesting looking at rivalries in sort of in, in sports where it's one particular player rather than the whole team, because it's it's that much more kind it's of intense. bigger events, yeah. Yeah, much bigger events. There's nowhere to hide. It's just, you know, as, as Kyrgios finds on the court when it get, going gets tough and it's just him getting barracked by the crowds. 
Um, so ma uh, majors. So what was there? What was that second one of? Um, so yeah, fifteen in a row. Fifteen in a row from eighty-one Australian Open to eighty-five Wimbledon, and from eighty-one Wimbledon to nineteen eighty-eight Australian Open, twenty-seven majors. They won twenty-two. Just watching Phil count one by one whilst pointing with his finger. This is one of the most talented mathematicians. So in the, the comparison, I was just looking at Nadal Federer. In 27, out of 27, they only didn't win four. So how does that, they're 23 oh, nice out of 20, 27. 23 out of 27, yeah, so. They're 23 out of 27, and then Djokovic just comes in and starts ruining it. How was that? From yeah. whatever the third slam is, US? No. Yeah, US. Australia, Wimbledon. No, Australia, French, Wimbledon, US, no. So that'll be Wimbledon. Um, from the third slam in 2004 all the way to the uh, second slam in 2011, they won all but four with Del Potro, Djokovic, and Marat Safin interrupting them. Yeah, and the, their record for consecutive was 11 of the two of them, so not nowhere near the 15. What, Del Potro has won a slam? Yeah, he won one, US. But yeah, so they the, Jock, uh, the Nadal Federer era was only 11 to their 15. And when yeah. you think like they were crazy dominant. Yeah. And then these, these guys are these guys just, just next that level. far ahead. That's just mad. 15 on the balance is crazy. So then, yeah, and then what I've got here for, for sorry, else to see is this is um, kind of a breakdown of the, whoever won the. the the majors in various years. Um, so there's a majors, Navratilova, they played 20, I think 22 games in majors against each other. Navratilova won 14, lost eight, but she was really pretty dominant in the fi major finals. So Navrat they played each other 14 times. Navratilova wins 10, only loses four. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, so basically as a, as a, like a stronger start. So from 73, 78, she's a little bit better. Navratilova's a bit better later on. So at 79, 81 to 88. Um, they're quite different players, though. So I think Avert was more sort of play from the baseline, sort of counter hit. So she did tend to do better in the slower courts, uh, play in particular. Navratilova more of like a serve and volley, a little bit better on, on the hard courts and the grass. Did they hate each other? Was there is there much on around that? Were they friends? Well, I'm uh, I'm glad you asked that. Um, oh, it wasn't even. Oh, really? No. So I mean, they they're actually like weirdly very they're sort of very supportive of each other, and you. You, um, I think you didn't have this degree of like bitterness that a lot of those rivalries. Because I was going to say have. when I was looking into this, like it does tend to fall into two camps of either respect each other, just know that you're playing against another great, and yeah, you want to win all the time, but you're not like out for blood, or you hate each other, and it is as like no inch given. So the most clear example is probably Ali Frazier. Yeah, where, I was looking at that one. Where basically Muhammad Ali was the first proper boxing trash talker and Joe Fraser didn't really get sucked into it. Even like to the point where Muhammad Ali accused Joe Fraser of almost being like a patsy for white supremacy and like anti-civil rights. Because obviously Muhammad Ali was so vocal against civil rights and vocal in trash talk. Fraser said nothing on either. 
Muhammad Ali basically came out and said like you're almost like complicit yeah in like white supremacy in America kind of thing and you, your anti-civil rights movement just because he wasn't saying like that's how nasty their rivalry got that's and then you've got like the battle over and about just like clearly yeah hating each other no exactly I mean quite quite the opposite so in the interviews I think after their retirement I think they would they'd always I think they were quite relatively close like during the time but afterwards I think they got a lot closer and actually there's a really interesting interview with Chris Avert where she basically says, look, you know, it was just, just us out there in front of everyone. I think she describes herself as effectively naked. And he sort of says, you see, when you, you, you see people at their most vulnerable, like one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, like just across the width of a tennis court. So you see them when absolutely sort of broken, destroyed after a loss, like crying. Just it would massively humanise your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. So she said it almost, almost took the fun out of winning. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Tennis is that weird one as well, where I think, well, modern day, they all like grew up together in training camps, and they all well, they yeah, they're so all best yeah, mates, uh, basically. It was like Murray and Djokovic were, they're born like two weeks apart, so ridiculous. Mm. They're, they're really good. Yeah. You suppose the iron sharpens iron, right? I and mean, then you've got that, not that many yeah. elite tennis players. Here. I suppose the F1 is quite interesting as well, because. Presumably, those guys must see each other a lot on like go cars and less, tracks and stuff going up. There's less friendship in the upper echelons of F1, I think. Mm. Like, you've got to be proper alpha to. Rosberg, Hamilton hate each other. Alonso, Hamilton hate each other. I mean, well, Rosberg, well, Rosberg and Hamilton were best I, mates until until they were teammates, until right? Until they were yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, there's not really. I can't think of anyone other than maybe Hamilton Vettel in our lifetime where they've competed for a championship and not actively disliked each other. But then that only they only started liking each other when Vettel moved to a non competitive car, right? I think that yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The second that there's a championship involved, friendship goes out the window. Kind of ignoring when, yeah. yeah. They didn't hate each other apart from when Vettel deliberately drove into Hamilton's car. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I suppose it's also it's easier in to to be sort of bitter rivals there because you're, you know, you're in a separate car, you've got a visor on and yeah. you're sort of separated from it. Where then, I mean, that was a really interesting point we said about the tennis. Like, literally, you win and you see them break down in tears. You lose, you see them celebrate. It would massively humanise them. And when you've done it 80 times, over 10 million times, yeah. you play each other. So, yeah, yeah, yeah your finals, whatever it is, every time. But what I think it's also interesting, because with rivalry, the distinction between things like that, where it arises because both of them are so good, and then the ones like the, you know, United Manchester Liverpool, which is because of the you know, rivalries with being the UK's main northwest sporting yeah. town back in the day, and, and with Real Madrid Barca, what's one's the, one's the the power, the, the hand of Catalan. the throne, and and one is the the Catalan like northern usurpers, usurpers. <laughs> who are like proud of their area, and yeah. you kind of, they're a real, the heritage behind rivalries, yeah, yeah. as opposed to like your, you know. Uh, Chelsea City, I suppose. Not, not Chelsea City, probably a poor example. City, whoever else at the moment, where there's not really there's no, like yeah. a history of rivalry. It's just they're both quite good teams. It's like Celtic Rangers, they play each other like 400 times. It's mental. Yeah. And obviously there's like sectarian religious background behind that. There's, there's like serious rivalry. Yeah. And you know, it's it's kind of it's it's real and it's not 
So, you know, the, the, the thing, and it, sort of, it stays like that because those are the, the two of the premier teams in Scotland, right? Or as opposed to, as a Southampton fan, you've got Southampton, Portsmouth, but, you know, Saints were yeah. relegated a couple of years. Listeners, if you're in Norway, Reese is a member of the Southampton Ultras. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Southampton Ultras would be like, you know, that video of someone who sort of tips over a wheelie bin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be it. Or the, or the bear who, who puts the traffic cone back up, right? That's what the Tards and the Ultras would be like. Just apologising. Anyway, just a, a, little, a little musing on the notion, on the nature of rivalry. Nature there, of rivalries. Yeah, yeah. But no, I've had to learn from that. Fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting they didn't hate each other. Tennis does seem to be one of the friendlier yeah. friendlier sports. All very chummy, aren't they? There's no way to physically like attack your opponent if that makes sense like football you can slide tackle someone yeah the Roy Keane Harland Stick over the shin them. yeah exactly tennis the worst you can do is you know ball smash ball. a ball at them when they're at the net but that's like a recognized agreed yeah quite a good tactic fundamentally who, who was it that um tried to put off uh Nadal's sort of like superstitions by moving his water oh it's, it was um, not nobody but it wasn't a high rank yeah player. But like he refused to get up off his chair, and then because Nadal's thing is he's always last out of his chair. Oh to yeah. Do the coin toss, and then like every court change, he'd knock over one of Nadal's bottles and things yeah. like that. Did that help with playing against this elite sportsman? I think he still lost. Yeah, yeah he, he still lost. And nice that, and that was like, what are you doing, you yeah. child? What are you doing? Yeah. I have a begrudging respect for that. Oh, I do, hundred percent. Oh, I know you. I'd call him a child. He takes 20 seconds to serve and you've got to have your three bottles lined up. So you and your four towels folded in half cross-hatch seam position A. Just, <laughs> you would mess him up. 100%. It was that, like that Wimbledon match where there's a Wimbledon guy who got really into him. I think, was he a German guy? Really tall German guy. I think he said him against a lot. But, um, and he ended up beating Nadal. And it's Matt because he got like massively in his head. You got to do it. The mental game. Got to win the yeah. mind games, Mourinho. Break the rules without breaking the rules, as it were. Mm. The dark arts. The yeah, James Ward Prowse, big fan of the big, big member of the dark arts. So Richie McCall. Richie McCall. Uh, <laughs> in the words of James Ward. In the words of in the words of Papa Cadman, Richie McCall, one of the biggest cheats in sports. Yeah. But do you know? Is it cheating rules? if you don't get caught? Is it cheating if you don't get blown up by the ref? Yes. Is it cheating? As the uh, legal advice in the room, is that a suitable legal defence, Reese? It's not cheating <laughs> if you didn't get caught. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what we call the shaggy defence. <laughs> Actually, no, that's the opposite. He, yeah, he, he, got, does, he, he literally does caught. get caught, yeah. But still... In the but, shower, in the on the sofa, camera. <laughs> a great song, that. Now, for, now 48, one of my, I think my first CD. God, some absolute bangers on there. Uh, Papa Roach, Last Resort. Oh my word, you're so old. S Club 7, natural, the best S Club 7 song. I was in primary school with Rachel Stevens' cousin from S Club 7. My uncle's ex-wife is Tom Jones' second cousin. That's not helpful. <laughs> Joppy, any... Uh... Nope, he's gone. He's... He hates He hates <laughs> your... That was such a bad fact about Tom Jones. But it's, it's not a it's a sports statistics podcast, not a Do you, uh, do you have anything to, to add on the Battle Over Avert or No, I think that's I think that's it. Just unbelievable rivalry. Good on that. Yeah. 
That was good, actually. I feel we, we, we mixed a lot of uh, teams, players, sports. Yep. Women. Men. Women, the thumbs up. Yeah. Well, it's, we've got to talk about them today. We don't, we, yeah, next we can go back to ignoring them again. But today, it's, you know, we've got to talk about women today. <laughs> and you missed, you missed the early match of International Women's Day. No, I did hear it. When you uh, went down to collect the chicken wings. Yeah. But yeah, Man, it's wings. No, I enjoyed that, lads. Well done. Yeah. And now, now for more sport with the old Champs League. Are we going to watch AC Milan beat Tottenham or are we going to watch PSG and Bayern battle it out? Ooh. Two choice. I mean, PSG Bayern. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, but if. It, as long as we know when AC Milan have scored so we can text Hills. Okay. Well, <laughs> they haven't scored yet. Not yet. Haven't scored yet. But there's still time. They'll get there. They'll get there. Right. Yeah. The, the real question is has Juffy had food delivered? Or is this a, a female companion arriving at the door? Well, what better way to celebrate International Women's Day? <laughs> than get Deliveroo, what? <laughs> <laughs> than get Deliveroo, yeah. Or Uber Eats. Or other food delivery services are available. Actually, Uber Eats are rubbish. Don't. <laughs> Genuinely don't. Genuinely don't. Uh, they're, they're just continuously disappointing. <laughs> I've stopped ordering them. <laughs> the only good thing on there is McDonald's and... Um, Oh, uh, what's that? What's that like steaky place? The steaky place. The steaky place. Bodine's. Ah, Bodine's. Bodine's barbecue place. Yeah, I ordered it once. It cost, it cost an absolute bomb. <laughs> Got it delivered like an hour and a half later. And it, was like a, it was like a salad. Oh, error. Fuming. You don't make bombs of salad. Don't go to Uber Eats. Use delivery kids. If deliverer are listening, I would like to be sponsored by you. <laughs> <laughs>